All right, hello everybody. We are back with another Badgerland Journal Stories of Wisconsin podcast episode. And today I have another special guest, mainly because this is maybe a little bit more his expertise than mine, just because he understands how like engines and stuff work. But I have my cousin Ben. How's it going? <laughs> um, because today we are going to be talking about a very well-known Wisconsin company. Probably the best known Wisconsin company. Yeah. But before we get into which company we are talking about, we're going to start with a little bit of a side tangent. But, okay, Ben, tell, tell us about your interesting hobbies that maybe not everyone has. Uh, I, I race dirt bikes, you know, for fun. It's a hobby. I've been doing that for a few years now, so... Not exactly Harley Davidsons, but it's motorcycles still. And before that, you uh, well, because when I was a little used to do like just regular bike trip tricks, right? Yep. Yeah, um, pedal bikes. Kind of everything, you know, which kind of relates to how we're going to introduce this, which is Evil Knievel. Was he ever a role model to you? Yeah, I used to have a little jump and line up like soda cans like their cars and jump over them and then keep adding soda cans to see how far you can jump, you know, like your Evil Knievel. So for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with Evil Knievel, he's this kind of daredevil, did a lot of stunts, some successful, some not so successful. But how he relates to our story is actually starts in Lion's Dragon... Lions Drag Strip in Los Angeles, California, on December 12th, 1970. And on this day, you have Daredevil Evil Knievel, who is going to attempt to jump over 13 cars. He will successfully jump these 13 cars on his Harley Davidson XR750. And this is the first time that he's using his Harley Davidson, and this is when they start to sponsor him. Because before this, what bike was he using? A Triumph. Triumph? Which you said he actually thought was a better bike than the Harley. Yeah, they were. the Harley is a lot more horsepower and it was way heavier, so probably not much better for jumping. Probably not better for jumping, but... But Harley-Davidson sponsors his... Yeah, the Harley yeah. is a lot cooler. So he will actually end up using the Harley for almost every single one of his jumps, except I think he jumps over, like, Niagara Falls or something in, like, a... Rock. The Snake River Canyon, you know rocket-powered motorcycle. <laughs> that one didn't exactly look like a Harley, but yeah. um, but since we're talking about Evil Knievel, I thought we would mention his two jumps that were actually in Wisconsin. So in Kakana, Wisconsin, October 6th and 7th, he jumped over 10 cars and three trucks, and he will successfully land this the first day. He not so successfully lands it the second day. He had a fractured hand, a bruised back, and a bruised kidney. And then I think he, like, did another jump, like, 30 days later. I'm sure he did. So, well, I know you've had many injuries due to <laughs> bikes and whatnot. What was your worst injury? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know about the worst. I've had, like, 16 broken bones, several concussions, a couple surgeries. <laughs> so just kind of a yeah. hazard of <laughs> yeah. riding dirt bikes or doing... BMX bike tricks. Um, he will also do a jump in Union Grove, Wisconsin. That's kind of by Racine area. Um, June 22nd 
through 24th and he will jump 13 cars and this was successful so no injuries made it out of wisconsin fairly unscathed but as you guys might have picked up on this episode's not about evil knievel he's just a fun side tangent um but it's in fact about the motorcycle he rode or at least the manufacturer of the motorcycle because harley davidson was founded in wisconsin so before we get into the harleys and the davidsons um we're actually going to talk a little bit about the beginning of motorcycles and with a man named edward joel pennington and he was a interesting guy he was an inventor of many mechanical devices he tried making airships motorcycles automobiles engines ignition systems machine pulleys all of these things not always very successfully but he made them just maybe not the best so he's a very eccentric man and he made very like kind of grandiose claims telling people like how successful these machines were going to be to try and get them to pay for his ideas um not a lot of his investors actually got money back um and some people kind of thought he was a fraud because he'd make like this i can make a machine riding on two wheels and it didn't really go well but he's actually credited with coining coining the term motorcycle and he would showcase his original ideas so in 19 or not 19 1895 ej pennington actually drove his motorcycle so like i said he did create these things so he drove his motorcycle down the streets of milwaukee wisconsin and it is believed that there is two little boys who are watching this motorcycle go down the street and this inspired their dreams even though this motorcycle was kind of falling apart while it drove down the street. It's not that great. He would try and go to, like, so he was doing this to try and get investors. And when that failed in Milwaukee, he went to England to try and sell his designs and then just petered out. He never really became. Yeah, never to be heard from again. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he'd like pop up with a different crazy yeah. idea, but yeah. But really, it, well, the important part is those two little boys who were watching this go down the street. Because you had William Harley and Arthur Davidson, who were very close in age, who grew up together in a neighborhood in Milwaukee. So they actually started their love from bicycles. So it didn't start off. So kind of like you. Yeah. You started with bicycles before you went to dirt bikes. So when Harley got older, he began working at a bicycle factory and rose into the position of drafter. And I was supposed to look that up. Do you know what a drafter is uh it's kind of like an engineer like they were making drafts like blueprints they were so they were kind of designing and drawing parts like making blueprints you know for okay and that makes sense because actually hardly after they start the business will actually go to uw madison and get his engineering degree yeah. as well so he already kind of had that background and he began working at a kind of well-known business of barth, barth manufacturing company at least at the time um and so there he started to design a internal combustion engine. So that makes sense with the drafter position. And so together with, with Arthur Davidson, another draftsman and a friend who owned a lathe. So like lathe would be like what they're actually making the engine on. It's a, it's a machine that makes round parts. So you would use that for like crankshafts and camshafts and stuff. It's, it's a, a machining t tool. Right? Okay. So kind of to make the parts to actually right. make the motorcycle. So 
together they began to make kind of a prototype of a motorcycle um and they failed like this thing again was not working well but through this they realized they needed a machinist so is a machinist more someone who would actually like that would be the person that would operate a lathe okay (laughs) (laughs) so wow crazy how they might have figured that one out well, they were actually in luck. So Arthur's older brother, Walter, who lived in Parsons, Kansas, was actually a machinist. So luckily, they didn't have to go far to find a machinist to help them with this. And he agreed to move back to Milwaukee and help with this. Um, and actually, so we both watched a documentary that I found very boring because it was full <laughs> full of uh, different mechanical parts. And I'm like, I understand none of this. Um, but in that documentary, it actually said that Walter was promised a ride to a wedding on the motorcycle by his brother. And so then when he arrived in in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, he didn't realize he had to put the motorcycle together to get that ride. Um, and Walter Davidson will actually go on to become the first president of Harley Davidson when they become incorporated. Um, and he became a huge motorcycle enthusiast, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. And then, so, and this actually ends up, so we know Harley Davidson. There's actually one Harley and three Davidsons. Yeah. So the third Davidson, Davidson is William, and he was also a mechanic. He will join a little bit later on in 1908. But I always thought it was kind of funny that Harley goes first when there's three Davidsons, but I guess like Davidson Harley. It doesn't sound as good. Doesn't sound as good. They also say that Harley is the one who came up with the idea, so they wanted to put him first. So William S. Harley with Arthur and Walter Davidson first built their first motorbike in 1903. It was mostly successful, but the bike was not able to go uphill without assistance. So that assistance was the rider had to pedal the bike. Severely lacking power. Yeah, because these first bikes, because today, like, you're, you, nothing on the motorcycle, you're actually, like, pedaling. But back then, it really was, like, a bike with a motor. That's how you started them. You had to pedal them to get them up to speed, and then they would start. Yeah. So. And then this one, clearly, you maybe had to assist, depending on the terrain. <laughs> right. So then next, they created a bigger engine, probably to help with the whole not having to pedal uphill and then a loop frame design i'm not quite sure if you know what that is uh i think that's where the engine is the frame goes all the way around the engine like a like a modern motorcycle frame okay so again and like i said uh i have the documentary somewhere i'll mention that at the end if you guys are really interested in the evolution i have a great documentary for you maybe it's your thing i couldn't get through all of it they also would enter a motorcycle race in 1904 at State Fair Park. That would be in Milwaukee. And they ended up placing fourth, which is pretty good. Um, although I don't know how many competition, yeah, how much know, competition they had. Um, we'll get into one of the other well-known companies that they were competing with later on. But in January 1905, Harley-Davidson's engines were listed in Automobile, Automobile and Cycle Trade Journal. Um, four months later, the motorcycles were actually being produced to sell. So they were kind of like advertising it, seeing if anyone would buy it, and then later on getting that actually out for production. Their first year, they made a total of five bikes. Yeah, in, in a really small shed. 
Oh yeah. yeah like it was like a backyard, like what you would imagine as like a garden shed nowadays. That's what they built these motorcycles in originally. Yeah. The shed measured I found that actual measurements it was like ten feet by fifteen feet. Yeah. And I'm sure the amount of tools they had, automation not existed. Yeah. Um, but three of those bikes are will be sold to Carl H. Lang in Chicago, and he's actually going to become the first Harley Davidson dealer. Because now Harley is like known for their branding and like having these different dealerships around the country. And you can like kind of get the different, you know, have a Green Bay, Wisconsin one or LA. So he'll become the first dealer <clears throat> buying three of those five bikes. And then from 1903 to 1904, oh, that's so there's, I'm sure that probably counts then their first bike and then those five bikes. Um, they built six bikes total. Um, a newspaper article I found that I thought was a kind of funny quote was they were funny, skinny contraptions that chugged along at the end of the carriage age. <laughs> Seemed like a pretty good description. Um, so they would eventually move from the small shed in their backyard onto an actual factory in 1906. And that is actually where their current headquarters are for the company. I'm yeah. sure they tore down that factory and like, it's very updated now, yes. but still the same location. Yeah, so they now have their, like, headquarters there. And so the first year at that factory, they produced 50 motorcycles. And they began plans to expand to an additional floor within that year. So they are expanding rapidly. By, my, by 1906, they had 150 motorcycles sold. So... Still not like crazy by today's means, but... It's a lot more than six, though. Yes. Well, and we'll kind of talk about once you have automation, that's going to increase greatly. So, moving on. So, they're not the only motorcycle company that is trying to pop up during this time. And so, you actually have Indian motorcycles, which is actually like kind of the leading competitor at this time. But... So Indian is known for being fast, but Harley was trying to focus less on speed and more on suspension and to make it more comfortable so you can have a longer, more enjoyable ride. And so they enter an endurance race in the Catskills Mountains. This is in New York. And they thought they had a chance because of that endurance. And what happens is Indian actually sponsors 16 riders in the race. And Harley-Davidson's a pretty small, like, yeah, kind of up and coming. But they're not going to, you know, have a ton of money to throw behind this. So they endorse one racer. And that racer is actually Walter Harley. So he's the one who will go in and win this race. And he does go on to win it. Um so this was in 1908, the Federation of American Motorcyclists in, like I said, the Catskills Mountains. It was uneven terrain and over the course of two days. Um, so actually, you were just talking about the race that you had that was two hours long. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine racing for two days, and especially on what they had back then, how much it would beat you up as a rider. Yeah. Not a lot of uh, breaks going on. Yeah. yeah. But it's over 350 miles. I can't, because I mean, from here, because I went to school in Milwaukee, from Green Bay to Milwaukee is like 200 miles, and I'm in a nice air conditioned car. 
I can't imagine 350 miles on a motorcycle bike. But the importance is it beats the faster Indian motorcycle, so it kind of propels them to a little bit more kind of, of... Makes a name for them. Yeah. So this isn't the only thing, though. The Really, Harley-Davidson was really good at carving out different areas for themselves and like finding ways to put their names out there and not sticking to like one thing. So prior to 1918, Harley Davidson was actually nicknamed at the as the nicknamed as the Silent Gray Fellows because all of the Harleys were gray and they ran very quietly unlike today. Yeah. That's- that's definitely changed. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I've ever heard a very quiet Harley Davidson. Um, but what happened is in 1914 to 1921, Harley Davidson actually began sponsoring the Wrecking Crew, which was a racing team. And this is revolutionary for the time. Like at this point, no companies were sponsoring racers and so again it's generating news and sales because people are going out and seeing the name harley davidson and it changes their reputation from being like a slow reliable bike to kind of this invincible like like a race bike something more sporty yeah one of the riders on the wrecking crew actually reaches a speed of 104 miles per hour which i thought was pretty good for you know 1914 or whatever yeah yeah that's flying so then in 1907, they actually become incorporated. And as we mentioned before, um, Harley will go on to get his mechanical engineering degree from University of Wisconsin-Madison. And he will be get credit for the idea of the motorcycle by having his name first before all of the Davidsons. Plus, like I said, I feel like they had to look at this and go, Davidson, Harley, just... Yeah, I don't know if it actually sounds weird or if it just sounds weird to us because it's been Harley Davidson for so long. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know. I always thought that too because, okay, but growing up, I'm always like Sam and Abby. Sam's my brother. And I can never hear it, Abby and Sam. Like, it just yeah, it seems, does sound weird. It just seems weird. Maybe it's just what you're used to. So what ends up happening is once they kind of reach this success of having motorcycles, a new curveball gets thrown at them which is Henry Ford and the assembly line. Because cars were a thing prior to this, but um, the assembly line allowed Henry Ford to sell his Model T for $245. Yeah, before that, no one could afford one. So it was like only for the rich, very limited numbers. Yeah, and T models were safer and more practical because let's be honest, you can't throw a family of four into a motorcycle and (laughs) drive them to church. Um, So you had kind of people moving away from motorcycles and towards buying a car. This didn't deter the Harley Davidson because in 1914, um, you actually had them going to the United States Postal Service and advocating for them to like get a contract with them and they would supply 4,800 bikes to them to have their postal carriers drive around delivering mail. Um, and this was due to Arthur Davidson's active marketing of the bikes. And he will actually go on to become the first sales manager and secretary of the company again when they become incorporated. Another area or avenue they followed was in 1950, the police departments nationwide began using them. And I think that's when like 
it got to be nationwide. Prior to this, they're selling to different companies. Detroit was the first one to actually get a contract with them. But the police force liked them because of their handling. I'm sure they're probably easier to maneuver, especially if you're going between cars or carriages. Yeah. You can kind of move easier. But police would use like boot breeches and saddlebags. It kind of invoked like cowboy memories for a lot of people. And so this is part of the reason that it inspired Walter Davidson to start branding clothes and accessories and kind of making it a subculture, yeah. kind of drawing on that imagination. Because honestly, I feel like half the people who have Harleys just have it to like ride it every once in a while and have the clothes and be yeah, like, right. I have a Harley. Not everyone, but some people. So in 1935, they would actually have the capacity to make a motorcycle every five minutes. So they're going to do very similar to the assembly line and yeah. kind of automate it, make it yeah. so you're going through a lot faster. Which brings the price way down. Yep. Um, so and like I said, they create a pot product line, almost a lifestyle. Guys who rode the motorcycles were the cool guy, more rebellious. You know, you have motorcycle clubs starting to pop up versus just kind of selling the motorcycle itself. You're kind of selling a lifestyle. Um, so some fun stories about Harley Davidsons. Um, so this is actually, I found articles on it, so it's not just a legend. But General Blackjack Parishing, who's well known in World War II, or not World War II, World War One, He went on to order Harley Davidsons in order to chase Pancho Villa around Mexico. So Pancho Villa is this kind of Mexican, uh, he's part of the Mexican Revolution, but he's kind of a bandit. Really, he's going around stealing stuff. So he had made multiple kind of incursions into the United States, doing a few robberies, and the military was like, okay, you can't do this. So they sent a bunch of people down there to go chase around Pancho Villa, and they wanted the motorcycles because they were easy to maneuver. And they were used as ambulance dispatchers and transporters. They had machine guns, like, mounted to them. Um, and so this is actually likely the reason they were used shortly after this happened in World War One. However, Pancho Villa was not captured by the U.S. military. Um, although Pancho Villa is photographed on a motorcycle, except it was those dang Indian motorcycles, mm. not the Harley-Davidson's. Clearly does not have taste. It's a good old-fashioned motorcycle chase all over Mexico. So then after, we'll talk a little bit more about Harley-Davidson. I kind of mushed World War One and World War Two together, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But we're going to talk about the Great Depression, because that actually was very important to motorcycle companies, or detrimental, I guess, to motorcycle companies. Um, Harley-Davidson is only one of two motorcycles companies that make it out of the Great Depression alive. So obviously today there are more motorcycle companies that exist, but in the United States, it's Harley and then it'll be Indian that make it through. In 1931, so this is in the middle of the depression, only three manufacturers had survived. That was Indian, who was founded in 1902, Harley-Davidson, who was founded 1903, 1905, depending on when you want to count them, um, and then Excelsior Henderson, 
1905. Excelsior Henderson actually stopped March 31st, 1931, so they did not survive yeah. far past that. And then Indian continued on, but sales continued to decline, and they would actually go to business in 1953. And actually both Indian and Excelsior Henderson, they will get their names bought, and they'll be brought back. Yeah. But it's not the original company. Harley-Davidson, I like how I put Garley-Davidson right there. <laughs> Carly Davidson. Um, Carly Davidson is the only one to survive and actually become stronger because of it. Part of this is actually their military contracts as well. In World War I, they sold 20,000 motorcycles to make for the U.S. military. And there's actually a story from World War I of a corporal named Roy Holtz, who was sent kind of on a fool's errand at the end of the war. And so he took his Harley Davidson bike with him. And so he got lost and then stopped and went, all right, I should like ask for direction, knocks on the door and is greeted by a bunch of German officers who promptly arrest him. And so he was in prison for a total of three days before the official end of the war came. And so they let him go. And he rode his Harley-Davidson into Germany, becoming the first American to enter Germany after the end of the war. So, and this was on November 11th, 1918. And there's actually a picture of him riding into Germany. And World War II, they would supply 90,000 motorcycles for the army and awarded two Army-Navy E awards for excellence in production. So... I didn't look at why they got two of them. Maybe it was for... <laughs> you think you just maybe get one, but maybe they're just that good. It's that excellent. They're that excellent. <laughs> they're two. that nice of bikes. So then the J-Horse motorcycle was built specifically for the military. It cranked out 15 horsepower, which, Ben, is that a lot of horsepower? By today's standards, it's not at all. From 1940s standards? For the 1940s, I'm sure it was probably pretty good. Um, it had a three-speed hand-shift transmission. Is that normal? Yeah, like a modern motorcycle, you would shift with your feet. This had a shifter, like, on the gas tank that you would shift almost like a car. Like, you would shift gears with your hand, which is probably not ideal, because then you got to take your hands off the handlebars, you know? But Yeah. And then it had a gas... <clears throat> gas headlamp rather than the elect an electric one, which I was trying to figure out why that would be more productive. Uh, I don't think it was more efficient, but it was electric was kind of newer at the time, and the military was unsure about it, so they were just wanted something that they were familiar with. Right. I was gonna say, I was like, I feel like gas would be. Yeah, it wasn't better, but they they didn't know that at the time. But so today, you actually have. Um, well, not today. This is two years ago. It feels weird that 2020 was... I know. ...was two years ago. Yeah. Um, but August 14th, 2020, in the middle of COVID. We love love the COVID. Um, Harley-Davidson Motor Company Factory Number 7 was designated as a historic site by the Wisconsin Historical Society. I like how I put factory there, too. My brain was not on this outline when I made it. Um, but... This factory is designated as like important due to the automation that occurred here. So this factory is where you started to see that kind of production line, um, automated mill milling, 
milling threading cast for engines, wheel hubs, and a lot. I feel like there was supposed to be a common there. Probably automated milling. Milling, Thread. threading, and casting are separate. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> threading cast for engines and wheel hubs. It allowed for increased production. So, like, you're making those automated. Um, they also had automated automated screwing machines. So this would distinguish them from other manufacturers, such as Indian motorcycles, which did not use these machines. They were kind of sticking to old school, and that was kind of their downfall. Yeah. But today, Harley-Davidson, like I said, is a nationwide known brand. Yeah. And it all... Globally known. Yeah. The documentary mentioned, like, they were selling, like, to, like, 37 different countries. Like, even early on, they were exporting their motorcycles. It all started in little old Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. Do you have anything you would like to add or mention not really. No. Unless you want to talk about Evil Knievel for another hour. <laughs> That's all I got. I can't make a whole podcast on Evil Knievel because he's not really from Wisconsin. Yeah, but it's Evil Knievel. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should do a podcast just on Evil <laughs> just Knievel. Just an Evil Knievel podcast. Well, thank you, Ben, for joining me on the podcast today. And if you would like to stay updated on all Badgerland Journal updates and life events and episodes and whatnot you can find us on facebook and instagram at badgerland journal if you'd like to send us an email with how much you love evil knievel or some sort of other suggestion that you want us to do then you can email us at badgerlandjournal at gmail.com until next time have a great day Hey everybody, before you go, I have three post-editing comments. Um, Number one, I said Walter Harley when I was talking about Walter Davidson in the Catskill Mountain Race. If you didn't figure that out, that's my bad. Um, Second one, I also said that Milwaukee was 200 miles away from Green Bay. It's 100 miles. It's 200 if you're going both directions but still my point stands that would be a very long race at 350 miles on a motorcycle um and then my final note is i never mentioned the documentary that both my cousin and i watched um the name of that documentary was harley davidson making of a legend um ben found it on youtube i found it on like Tubi or something so it is free to watch if you guys are into that um, but if you guys ever catch me making a mistake in one of these podcasts let me know go comment on my Facebook or Instagram or send me an email telling me how could you make this mistake but I do try to correct it anyways I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and stay tuned for the next episode <laughs>